Welcome to the podcast, Crime Salad. We are husband and wife and partners in crime. My name is Ashley. And I'm Ricky. So glad that you could join us for this episode because we are about to dive into the darkest corners of human nature. So brace yourself as we embark on this true crime journey that includes the constant pursuit for justice. And as always, listener discretion is advised. Because Haley Ann Marie Cummings was reported missing and in danger, the Florida Department of Law Enforcement released an Amber Alert in hopes that someone local will recognize this five-year-old girl who seemingly vanished from her home on February 10th, 2009. At the time of this recording, she would have been 20 years old. It was first confusing to learn that the five-year-old was not asleep in her bed when the terrible discovery was made in the early morning hours around 3 a.m. Her dad's girlfriend, who was there watching his two kids, noticed the back door was left wide open. Was she kidnapped by someone who broke into the house? Or did she escape? In a situation like this, time is of the essence. Minutes can feel like hours. She didn't know what to do or where to look first. And it's late at night. In a Florida town, she knew this little girl was in immediate danger. This is a story of a missing girl, a number of sleepless nights, an ongoing exhausting search against time, and a fight for justice that is still active today. So the family reported last knowing that she was asleep in her bed, wearing a pink Hannah Montana shirt inside the mobile home located at the Hermit's Cove in Satsuma, Florida, on the evening of February 9th, 2009. And at the time of her disappearance, investigators believed that she could still be in the same area, and they hoped to find her. Haley was described as having a birthmark in front of her left ear, a four-inch round birthmark on her lower left side of her back, and her ears pierced. Her curly blonde hair, brown eyes, and big bright smile had left the family in disbelief ever since. Okay, so you said 2009. So that's 14 or 15 years since she went missing. So what, that would make her 19 or 20, something like that today? Yeah. I mean, her features could change so much in that time. I feel like it would be really hard to identify her. Yeah. I mean, they still have the two birthmarks to go by, but you're right. Like, her hair color could change. Things could change. Now, they did update her missing persons flyer with an additional photo of her of what she would most likely look like at the age of 12 years old in an age-progressed photo. So she went missing when she was five, but now they're showing a photo of what she might look like when she was 12? Yeah. Have they done that for what she might look like when she's 19 or 20? or? That's the latest that we have on that. Okay. It's interesting, you know, with all the advances in AI, and even like Snapchat, you get to use the aging filter and, and things like that. I wonder if they've advanced with technology for these age-progressed photos. If it hasn't already, it's it's definitely going to help. Yeah, for sure. With these pictures. So that is really cool. We'll have to look into that. Maybe do like a little side salad. Yeah. 
Now, if you take a moment to think about this, a child goes missing in the middle of the night. This is the ultimate worst nightmare for a parent. Waking up to your back door wide open and your daughter isn't in the house. Oh, my God. What would you even do? Like, where would you even go? So this case happened in Florida, the Sunshine State, surrounded by the Atlantic Ocean, made up of a variety of ponds, lakes, and rivers, and wildlife. There's a town in Florida called Satsuma. According to the residents, it's quite boring. There's not much really to do. So residents describe the town as the people there do a lot of drugs. It's kind of like our hometown. You could say that. Satsuma seems like one of those towns that you would only drive through or maybe you stop at the gas station to pick up some sneaky snacks and maybe fill your tank while you're driving along the main road through the community. What exactly is a sneaky snack? You know, like Doritos or... Donut? Donuts. Hmm, like okay. coffee. Sneaky snacks. All right, all right. They have a main highway that goes through this town, U.S. Route 17. The population there is around 5,800, so this is a smaller community, and it sits about an hour and a half away from Jacksonville, Florida. And it takes about an hour drive to get to the closest beach along the Florida coast. Now, Satsuma is considered as an unincorporated community, which means that they usually don't have a police department or a fire department. They run the community without a local government. And in this case, there were multiple law enforcement officers that came into this town to help search for this little girl. Also, Satsuma is an area that sits in the middle of different conservation and wildlife management areas and parks. There's the Duns Creek Wildlife Management Area and Murphy Creek Conservation Area. So it's surrounded by a lot of this type of land. There's a lot of wildlife, a lot of greenery, And there's also St. John's River that is north of the town and also pretty close to the distance from where this family was living. A lot of places to stash a body. Now, when I first was looking through this case, my curiosity in this area led me to the website that you may already know. It's called familywatchdog.us. And on this website, you can see sexual offenders in the chosen area. So like if you type in your address, you can see their houses. And usually it shows a photo of the offender and their charges. Now, within a five mile radius where this little girl lived at her dad's house, there were about 44 different offenders that popped up. Dang. I remember you used to be so obsessed with this site. And what's funny about it, not funny, but when you come from a small town, like you see so many faces that you like, you know that person. You're like, I knew that dude was a creep. There's a couple kids that I went to school with that I see in the news. And I'm like, oh, my God, I went to school with him. Right. And they like committed some weird crime or something. There's this one kid who actually was like a track coach at Mm. my high school. Oh, I remember that. And he was taking pictures. Oh, you know him. Yeah. He was taking pictures of the boys undressing in the locker room. Yeah. What a freaking creep. High school kids. Right. Like, disgusting. But yeah, they're they're all around us. So that's familywatchdog.us, and this is not an ad. So if you haven't done it, do it. Look it up. Use code CRIMESALAD. There's no code. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, anyways, while I was on this website, I actually found a red dot that would be like a sexual predator very, very close to the address of this little girl's house. And the name is Timothy Randolph Lukakis. Now, before I knew anything about this case, I searched up his name in Google and he was questioned by the police regarding her disappearance. Now, we'll talk more about him once we get further into what the police found and their search. But let's first cover Haley Cummings' family's background. So in the late 1990s, Ronald Cummings and Crystal Sheffield met and they began dating in Leesburg, Florida. Their relationship would continue through the mid-2000s. And during their time together, the couple welcomed two children, Haley and Marie Cummings, on August 17th, 2003, and a son 18 months later who was named after Ronald Cummings. Haley was described as always being very happy, very loving. She always had a smile on her face and was called Little Mama because she loved taking care of her younger brother. Now, in 2005, Ronald and Crystal, they split up. And the custody battle that ensued caused the two to throw accusations at each other. The Florida Times Union reported that Ronald argued that Crystal used cocaine and wasn't responsible enough to care for the children. And Crystal argued that Ronald was a known drug dealer and was a violent and impulsive man. In the end, the judge gave Ronald full custody because his job could possibly lead to benefits like health insurance which in the judge's eyes, that was better than Crystal's job situation, which was unemployment. Crystal moved onto her mom's farm in Baker County, Florida, which is near the Florida-Georgia border, and she saw her kids every other weekend. By the Georgia-Florida line. I always hate custody battles like this. Like, they get so freaking messy. Yeah, it can get messy. It can also be hard on the kids. But I mean, how many cases have we talked about where we wish the people would have just separated instead of taking it out on their kids or one another? I don't think I would be able to handle the every other weekend thing. Like, that's a big life change. That would be really, really hard. Now, being that Ronald had full custody, he settled in the community we talked about earlier, Satsuma, Florida, and he got a mobile home. And the home was described by the Associated Press as being hidden beneath towering trees. It was located on a dirt road close to the St. John's River, only 400 yards away. And they would occasionally go to the river, play in the river, go fishing and whatnot. Ron raised Haley and her brother as a single father for the next few years. He and Haley had an unbreakable bond. She adored her father. She was his little girl. She would accompany him everywhere he went. If you remember, we mentioned the allegations that his ex would describe as Ron being involved with drugs. Well, it appears that he has been in trouble with drugs in the past. But regardless of this, he still put his children first and was described as a doting father, even from investigators. I don't know. I have a hard time trusting anybody. With all the cases that we've done and uh, I don't know, especially the case last week with like Robert Berdella, I just can't trust anyone like. He seems like a good guy. Everyone's but... a suspect until proven otherwise, I think. Right, right. Now, the young five-year-old Haley, she was just beginning kindergarten in the fall of 2008 at Browning Pierce Elementary School. The very smart girl who had a love for makeup, purses, and other girly things like nail polish, and her favorite dish being mac and cheese, good choice, 
had the world at her feet. Now, single dad Ronald, 25 years old around this time, met 17-year-old Misty Crossland at the bus stop while waiting for the school bus. Misty occasionally dropped off her nephew at the same bus stop as Haley's. Misty didn't have any kids of her own, but she did help with her nephew, and she herself could still have been in high school. However, she dropped out in the seventh grade because she was using drugs. And like we said, the use of drugs in the area was mentioned by the other residents as being pretty much normal. Now, the meeting at the bus stop occasionally turned into Missy helping around the house, like babysitting Haley and her younger brother. And then the two started dating and Misty moved in. So I'm curious if Misty and the kids had a good relationship. What was that dynamic like? I know it can be weird bringing in a new adult into a family. So Ronald's grandmother told the Florida Times Union that the children adored Misty and she seemed to adore them back. And Misty would say that the children considered her to be their mother. Oh, that's cool. Hey, Ricky. Yeah? How'd you sleep last night? I slept really good last night. Did you know that the temperature you experience throughout the night can have a big impact on how we sleep? Really? Miracle Made is inspired by NASA. And when designing these well-made sheets, they focused on giving a better sleep experience compared to your traditional sheets. With their self-cooling properties for better quality sleep, and also being that these sheets are infused with silver, they prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner three times longer than your other sheets. So no more gross odors. And who doesn't want a better sleep and luxurious feeling bed sheets? They are super comfy and give you the feeling that you're in a five-star hotel bed. Ooh, I like that, especially sleeping next to you. Miracle sheets are the perfect gift for your spouse, friends, or family. And what's cool is whenever you buy these sheets, you get three free towels. So it's kind of like two gifts in one. So if you or someone you know wakes up from your sleep and you're hot or you're too cold, I highly recommend that you check out Miracle Made Bed Sheets. The luxurious, soft feel without the ridiculous price tag is what Miracle Sheets are all about. Go to trymiracle.com slash crime salad to try it today or gift it to someone special this holiday season. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Save over 40%. And if you use our promo code crime salad at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product. It's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash crime salad and use code crime salad to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash crime salad to treat yourself, a friend, or a loved one this holiday season. So the time between January 31st and February 1st of 2009, Haley and her little brother were with their biological mother, Crystal. And the following weekend, February 7th and 8th, the children were supposed to be with Misty and Ron while Ron worked the night shift at a bridge manufacturing company. But that's not what happened. Before the weekend began, Misty and Ron got into a big argument and Misty left. 
She didn't come back until the afternoon hours of February 9th on that Monday. And this made Ron angry because he was relying on her to watch the kids so that he could go to work. But she didn't answer her phone all weekend long. And according to the Florida Times Union, during this time, she went to a friend's house on a, quote, drinking, drugs, and sex bender. Wait, so who watched the kids then? So Ron ended up asking his grandmother to watch them. So after Misty partied all weekend, she decided to come back around on February 9th. With Ronald having to work, Misty agreed to watch the kids for him. Now, only Misty knows what took place after Ron headed to work in the early evening. It appears that Misty was at home around 7.30 p.m. when Ronald's grandmother made a visit to the home, bringing back the clothing that had been left behind at her place after watching the kids all weekend. Upon arrival, the grandmother discovered Misty, Haley, and Haley's little brother enjoying a meal on the porch. The Florida Times Union reported that while Ron was at work, he tried calling Misty 20 times to check on the kids, but he couldn't get a hold of her. Curious about Misty's whereabouts, Ronald reached out to her brother, hoping to get some clarity. And because he answered the phone, he asked that her brother swing by the house to check if Misty and the kids were there. I don't know. If I'm calling double digits and I can't get an answer to check in on my kid, I'm freaking out. But it was probably like a flip phone in 2009. Really? 2009? iPhone was out, but not many people would have had it. That's true. Anyways, this did really bug him because he's at work and it's late at night. What could be happening? I mean, the kids should be sleeping. She is probably like sitting on the couch or watching a movie. Why aren't you answering your phone? Right. Not much was going on around this time, supposedly. So right now, Ronald, he's at work and he's unable to get a hold of Misty. So he phones Misty's brother, Tommy. And Tommy, he comes up with two different sides of the story. So this is where things kind of get a little foggy and suspicious. The first story is that he stopped by and he and Misty smoked a joint together at some point in the night and the time was never specified. But that's his first story. The second story would be that he went to the house around 9.45 p.m. All the lights were off. He banged on the door, but no one answered. It's always weird to me when the suspects have multiple stories. Because Tommy says, oh, I smoked a joint with her or whatever. I don't know what time it was. But then he says, oh, yeah, I, I knocked on the door. It was completely black, no lights on. Immediate red flag goes up. Commit to one story. Like, that is so not believable. Yeah, and two investigators, the inconsistency in his story was an immediate red flag. So Ronald got home at approximately 3.25 a.m., and he enters the home and discovers Misty in a full-out panic. She couldn't find Haley anywhere. Once Ronald got inside the house, Misty dialed 911 at 3.27 a.m., and she said, quote, I just woke up, and our back door is wide open, and I can't find my daughter. The dispatcher heard Ronald yelling Haley's name while Misty was on the phone. As minute by minute passed, Ronald shouted in a panic for the police to get there now, and the dispatcher assured him that they were on their way. Now, while they had Misty on the phone, the dispatcher's questions were cut off when Ronald grabbed the phone and said, quote, 
I need someone to get here now. I just got home from work. My five-year-old daughter is gone. I need someone to get here now. I'm telling you, if I find whoever has my daughter before you do, I will kill them. I don't care if I spend the rest of my life in prison. You can put that on recording. I don't care. End quote. Good for him. So he's pretty livid at this point. I'm on his team right now. I mean, who wouldn't? His daughter is missing. But normally you get like weird reactions, like they don't react or there's theatrics. This seems legit. We'll see. But right now I'm I'm team Ronald. Now, Ronald ended the call. The dispatcher called back and Ronald grew even more frantic until deputies arrived 13 minutes from when this call was made at 3.40 a.m. Now, like we said, minutes feel like hours, and especially in a time like this. But 13 minutes for the police to get there, that's pretty fast considering this town doesn't have their own police department or law enforcement. Yeah, I mean, that might have just been travel time alone. Jumped in their cars and went straight there. Right. Now, despite searching the house, the officers were unable to locate Haley. Nothing came up. They also didn't find any evidence of forced entry. Police became concerned when they saw a gun on the kitchen counter, which they learned belonged to Ronald. And he happened to be carrying it around with the intent to kill anyone who took his daughter. So this was a gun that he had, like, concealed carry type. And it just so happened, like, when he got home, he put it on the counter? Or was there a five-year-old in the house with, like, some random loaded gun? He was using it for protection for his daughter. Gotcha. Now, further into the investigation, they found what appeared to be Haley's blankets that would be on her bed when she was sleeping. And these were found on the back porch, which was more like a ramp rather than a porch. So there was a back door and then a long wooden ramp. Now, this back door, it had two doors. One was a main regular door and the other was a screen door. The screen door was propped open with a cinder block. And this is the location where Misty told the dispatcher that the door had been left wide open. She never mentioned finding her blankets on the ramp, which maybe she was in shock at the time. She didn't have time to think about it. There was one smaller blanket that was close to the cinder block and a larger blanket and maybe a sheet, it looks like, that was gathered together in the middle of the ramp. So it's like drop, drop. Like planted there, maybe. It kind of seemed that way to investigators like later on, like once they started putting the pieces together... Now, this is a rural area. It's pitch black outside. The residents and nearby neighbors had a generous amount of land between them, about 100 feet in between. It wasn't like, you know, your typical mobile home area where they're packed in like sardines. And being that it was dark outside, you wouldn't be able to see anyone within distance from you. It would be dark. You know, we're talking three, four o'clock in the morning at this point. And being that it's so dark, it seemed so unlikely that a five-year-old would have wandered off. And especially because their home was surrounded by like bushes and greenery and things like that. So there's no reason for her to go outside at this time of the day. There's a lot of weird animals out there. So it really appears that somebody abducted her. So officers, they sit down with Misty and they ask her what happened. She stated that she put the children to bed at approximately 8.15 and that both of the children were placed in the king-size bed that was situated in their main bedroom. Misty recalled that Haley was wearing a pink Hannah Montana shirt to bed, 
and Misty recalled tucking Haley into her bed with her blanket. And from there, over the next few hours, Misty relaxed, she watched some movies, she cleaned up the house a little bit, and then after a while, she joined the kids in bed after around 10 p.m. She recalls waking up around 3 a.m. on February 10th to get a drink of water. And while she did this, she noticed that the back door off the kitchen that led outside was propped open with a cinder block. So it's wide open, 3 a.m. She went back to the bedroom and realized Haley wasn't in the bed. One thing that's sticking out to me right now is that her brother claimed that he went over there. Well, one of his stories that he went over there at 9 p.m., knocked on the door. No one answered. Right. But now she's saying she didn't go to bed until 10. And was just like hanging out in the house, cleaning. Assuming the trailer is not that big. Assuming she's in the living room and the kids are sleeping in the bedroom. That door's got to be like 10 feet away from her. Right. That's different. What do you think about Ron calling over 20 times around this time? Well, that too. I mean, a cell phone is your lifeline. I can't travel back to 2009 and remember what it was like having a non-smartphone, assuming that's what she has, but that phone has to be near you. Right. There's nothing much else to do. Right. The kids are sleeping, so it's kind of like your time to like hang out, relax. Right. And it was probably like a Kanye West ringtone, blaring loud. So at this point, something's not adding up. How do you not hear your phone ringing at least 20 times? Why didn't she call the police when she discovered Haley wasn't in the home? And not to mention they're laying in the same bed. So you don't hear anyone getting up. You don't hear anyone coming into your house. There's just so many questions. And the police ask the very same question. Why didn't you call 911 sooner? Why did you essentially wait until Ronald got home to call at 325, according to her timeline, 25 minutes later? Well, she explained that she spent the time looking under the beds. For 25 minutes? Yeah. And she didn't call Ron during this time at all to say, hey, your daughter's missing. I don't know where she is. And she spent time, like I said, looking under the beds. Well, these beds were actually just mattresses on the floor. Oh, so that doesn't even make sense. And there was two. There was a king-size bed and like a single child mattress. Mm. And another thing that is just so irritating, she explained that she wanted to jump in the shower before the police got there. So she ended up getting a shower. <laughs> she got a shower? Yeah, while she waited for Ron to get home. and She like looked at the time. She's like, oh, I have 10 minutes. He'll be home. I'm going to get a quick shower. And then I'll call the police. And... Yeah, I'm probably going to end up on the news. I want to look good. Oh, I should probably do my makeup. Crap. Now, Misty was suspected of involvement in the missing child case, but the investigators, they had to focus on searching the area. Time was of the essence. First 48. Right. And in the meantime, both Ronald and Misty were brought in for further questioning while multiple law enforcement agencies were alerted to help search for the missing five-year-old girl, Haley. Helicopters scanned the area while officers and bloodhounds were brought onto the scene. The bloodhounds brought investigators down to the river. This is the St. John's River that is estimated to be home to around 5,000 alligators. With so many obstacles, finding Haley alive, unfortunately, seemed to be a long shot. By daylight, the search continued. The home was blocked off and investigated as a potential crime scene. The hunt for this little girl had a team of around 20 agents working around the clock, and they even had a command center that was set up near the Cummings home. 
other investigators took a second look around the home, and there was no indication that there was any forced entry. But the cinder block that held the screen door open was never there before. Ron mentioned that he had no idea where this cinder block even came from. Investigators took a look the outside of the home, and they found an indent on the ground that gave investigators the idea that someone had removed this cinder block where it was, and it was located originally by a water tank outside of the home. So it's almost like this was a prop to set up a scene. And in the middle of the night, you know exactly where this cinder block is. Yeah. And it was pretty much buried in the dirt, like halfway. So it's got to be like a little hard to lift up out of the ground. But what did she say? Did she say that, oh, we use that all the time? Or did she have any type of explanation? Well, she said, I don't know where it came from. Now, they hoped to find touch DNA from this cinder block, and they did find a small amount, but it wasn't enough to determine whose DNA it was. There was also a smudge of blood on the side of Haley's mattress. It was more of like a smear, like maybe if you had a scratch or something. And it appeared to be her blood. However, it wasn't confirmed that it was from this same night. So they had no proof of that being the case. Uh, so it's hard to prove. Right. It could have been... Bloody nose. It bloody could nose. Been At the age of five, I mean, it's hard to tell. They took different DNA samples all over the house, fingerprints on light switches. Now, what makes this complicated is if Misty was involved, her DNA would be all over the place on the light switches, everywhere. She lived there. But at the same time, there could have been entirely new DNA that could help these investigators find whoever did this. Now, the investigation, they even took the drains from the shower and the sink in the bathroom out, and they examined those. And they did find small amounts of blood in the drain pipes, but it wasn't enough to make a match. Now, the house, it didn't have any smell of bleach or cleaner, so it doesn't appear that there was a brutal like massacre in the house. Right. But it also didn't seem like they cleaned up a crime scene or something. Like nothing happened in the house that they could really find other than the blood on the mattress. See, that makes me think sex trafficking or prostitution, you know, something like that. Yeah. And that's actually one of the theories of this case is could that have happened? According to Crystal, Ronald was a drug dealer. So it very well could be something like that. Now, by 9.30 a.m., after working tirelessly for hours to find any trace of this little girl, the FBI was brought in. As this was an open investigation with a few loose ends, authorities told the media that it was too early to tell if a stranger had kidnapped Haley or if she wandered off into the night. Nothing was said about the suspicion surrounding Misty at the time because this was all being looked into very closely. Even though both her and Ronald were released from the interview at some point, the authorities said, quote, at this point, all we know is that we have a missing little girl. See, I would be a horrible police officer because I would walk in there and immediately just be like, yep, it was her. It would be so hard to be unbiased and, you know, wait until you have enough information to make a decision. And, you know, those interviews, they're like hours long, like sitting in this little tiny interrogation room. Like yeah. that's got to be frustrating. Oh, for sure. Whew. I give credit to them, though, yeah. to be able to be unbiased. I don't think I'd be able to handle it. Mm -hmm. So the community, they were on the lookout for this five-year-old young girl. And there were checkpoints set up at the entrance to the neighborhood so that every vehicle leaving the area would be searched. Before the day was over, Haley's parents, Ronald and Crystal, spoke to the media. 
Ronald begged for the return of Haley, while Crystal stood by him holding a portrait of Haley. Both were in tears. They felt in their heart that Haley wouldn't have just wandered away. They both agreed that she was afraid of the dark, so this wasn't something that she would likely do. And they just wanted their baby home. They were completely heartbroken, and they believed that she was abducted. Ronald and Crystal were ruled out as suspects very quickly. Crystal was in Baker County the night of the disappearance, and Ronald was at work. He physically had to punch in and out. As far as Misty, well, it wasn't looking so good for her. The next day after the Amber Alert was issued, February 11th, 2009, the search efforts didn't back down. In fact, 150 officers from 20 different agencies were actively searching. Investigators went from door to door to interview neighbors and search for any evidence, but no one heard or saw anything that occurred on that night. Family members were also being interviewed. Misty, person of interest, suspect number one, was brought in for a second interview. And she changed up her story a little bit. This time, she went with Haley went to sleep on the small mattress on the floor. This mattress would be just a few feet apart from where the king-size mattress was, which was also on the floor. So there wasn't a bed frame or anything like that, just mattresses. According to investigators, her stories were suspicious because they seemed to always change just a little bit, and they also seemed a bit rehearsed. Oh, yeah, she probably went home and thought about the kids being in the bed and how that didn't make sense so she had to change up the yeah, story shit wait a minute i don't think she was laying with us i think she was <laughs> well actually when i think about it now, it doesn't seem like a big change in the story but it's just that she changed the story but also her brother changed the story too so brother oh. and sister right and like we said she was busy looking under all the beds doesn't make sense she was high and she got a shower how many beds are in this damn house? <laughs> now, my side of the family has a trailer, and we use it as a summer camp. And just from experience, you can hear all the movement in this small space. Like, if you're walking down the hallway, you can hear someone coming. And if you're carrying a 40-pound 5-year-old, that aluminum door is going to squeak and sound off a cling so loud that the birds will fall out of their nests. That's pretty specific, but okay. I'm just saying that there's no way. That if someone came into this home, you wouldn't have woken up or they didn't trip over this pile of laundry that was in the hallway. Or even the knocking, like going back to the knocking, the brother said that he knocked forever. There is no way you didn't hear the knocking in a little trailer. No. Either Misty was high or she was in this deep sleep trance and she had no clue what was going on. I was thinking that too. Now, you remember that pink Hannah Montana shirt that Haley was wearing before she went to bed? Yeah. That Misty was describing? Well, police recorded an interview with Misty walking through the trailer, and she described what happened the night that she disappeared. And while she's doing this, she stops at the pile of laundry in the middle of the hallway, and she picks up the pink shirt, the Hannah Montana shirt that she described, and said, this is the exact shirt that she wore, and broke down into tears. Didn't she say that was the shirt she saw her in last? Yeah, so... Why doesn't she have it on? That's the question. Now, her story kept changing with slight variations. At first, she said that she got up to get a glass of water. Then she would eventually say to the media that she got up to use the bathroom. 
even though it's not like a huge change, it's still something different, Mm -hmm. something to keep your eye on. Okay. So with everything Misty's saying, she didn't just wander off them. Right. At this time, it was ruled out that Haley couldn't have wandered away on her own. This was a possible abduction that they were investigating. So that's what the police now focused on. Right. On February 12th, the search continued. And if you remember earlier, we spoke about the local sex offender. This is when he and the other sex offenders in the area, more than 40, were being looked into, all within a five-mile radius of Haley's home. And they all ended up cleared. Timothy Randolph Lukakis got attention in the media a few times because he was actually arrested shortly after Haley went missing. And this was because his GPS monitoring indicated that he was outside of his home zone around 10 o'clock during this time, like during the abduction. So he was arrested like, hey, it was you. But then once they looked further into the investigation and they searched his home, he was ruled out as a possible suspect. Got it. Sorry, Mr. Kankle. So that box is checked. There's no sex offenders in the area that were suspicious. So back to Misty. So let's focus more on Misty and her stories. By the 17th of February, now days into the search for Haley, sadly, authorities made the decision to scale back their search for Haley. It was leading to an investigation that would be focused on tips coming in. And by the next day, 1,200 tips came in. One of those was a tipster that said Misty didn't tell authorities the truth about where she was the night Haley disappeared. Oh, she might not have been home. Possibly. So the tipster claimed that Misty left the trailer late February 9th or early February 10th. Authorities said that they were following up on this tip. And it just kept snowballing from there. And she went to the media telling them on many occasions that she passed multiple polygraph tests. While, according to the police, this was not true. They told the media that, quote, she failed miserably, each and every one of them. Freaking liar. She also went on NBC's Today Show, denying the tipster's report that Misty wasn't in the home at the time of Haley's disappearance. Misty said that she was home when Haley went missing. So now she's pulling a Diane Downs. Getting some spotlight time. Yeah, 15 minutes of fame. Now, by February 22nd, investigators had received 1,600 tips that they had to work through. That's a lot of tips. As March came around, a month since Haley disappeared, The media coverage slowed down, and on the 10th of March, authorities held a press conference thanking the family and the residents for their cooperation, and they asked for their continued patience. Ronald said, quote, please, if you have my daughter, bring her home, please, unquote. He said that if Haley was watching, he wanted her to know that he loves her. He also thanked investigators for their efforts. On March 12th, 100 deputies conducted more ground searches looking in places that they hadn't looked before, just hoping for anything to come up. The exhausting search was going cold. As the hearts of the family were broken, Ronald and Misty, they got married on the same day, March 12, 2009, a month after Haley went missing. With everything that happened, like, why get married? Like, Doesn't that seem so, like, unnecessary? Yeah. And police thought that, too. They were surprised because... All these different law enforcement officers, they are tirelessly searching for this missing girl while they're out having a wedding. And Yeah, doesn't make sense. It seems completely unnecessary. 
But Misty said to the media that it's what Haley would have wanted. Supposedly, she was always talking about wanting Ron and Misty to have a wedding. Now, according to the police, Ronald might have tied the knot with Misty for two reasons. First, he was afraid that she would press charges against him because she was underage, or the second one, possibly, he wanted to get some information out of Misty. Returning to NBC's Today Show on March 13th were Ronald and Misty. Ronald said that he doesn't want the media to focus on his personal life. He wants the media to focus on getting Haley's face out there. So while on this show, Misty was asked if she thought police were looking into her. She said no. And Ronald agreed right away, claiming that a detective told him she wasn't a suspect. Ronald was always supportive of Misty. However, things took a turn once Ronald hired an attorney on March 20th after Haley's mother, Crystal, accused Ronald of being abusive on national television. The claims would be investigated by DCF. Months later, the Orlando Sentinel reported that the case had been closed with no evidence of abuse. While this was going on, Haley's story received less and less attention. Investigators were continuing with their search, even going to Baker County in Florida, where Haley's mother, Crystal, was living during this time. She was living on a 30-acre farm with Haley's grandmother, Marie, at the end of June. And divers and cadaver dogs searched the area. Now, there wasn't any reason to investigate this property. It was just an effort to leave no stone unturned. On August 17th, which would have been Haley's sixth birthday, investigators announced that they had followed up on over 4,000 leads, conducted 138 formal interviews and hundreds of informal interviews. During many of those interviews, DNA samples were collected. Furthermore, DNA and fingerprint evidence from the crime scene did not lead to any suspects. And then around this time, new information has been released by investigators. For the first time, they stated that they did not believe Haley was abducted by a stranger. Now, according to investigators, Misty, quote, continues to hold important answers in the case, unquote. She has failed to provide any kind of detailed account of Haley's disappearance during the late evening and early morning hours. In addition, physical evidence at the scene contradicts Misty's hazy account of her evening activities. And they pointed out that Misty was never officially named as a suspect in Haley's disappearance until now. Following this revelation, detectives continued to receive information about Haley's disappearance. A tip would occasionally lead to a physical search for Haley. In September of 2009, L Pond in southern Putnam County was drained. According to the Ocala Star Banner, officers have received information that Haley was taken to a party where she died from a drug overdose before being taken to the pond. Yet they didn't find any information about Haley once they searched the pond. Ronald appeared on Nancy Grace on October 7th and announced that he and Misty were divorcing. According to his attorney, the divorce was amicable. They both agreed that it was time to move on, and he said that their life together was miserable under all of the media scrutiny. So that was a pretty quick marriage. Uh, how long were they together? A total of seven months. Wow. Ron's attorney stated that after a few months, Ron began to wonder if Misty knew anything. Misty appeared on CBS, the early show, on October 9th. She insisted on her innocence, telling those who suspect her to look 
elsewhere. She claimed Ronald did not believe that she was guilty and that police had investigated her more thoroughly than anyone else. Misty claimed Crystal's family was involved in Haley's disappearance. So there's another little story, and she didn't elaborate on this, so she didn't say anything else. Following Misty's segment on CBS, Ronald's attorney told the Orlando Sentinel that Misty's statement was absolutely ludicrous. He went on to say, quote, that was stated merely for the purpose of deflecting attention away from her, unquote. Misty and Ronald's divorce was finalized on October 15th. However, they stayed in touch, and according to investigators, they both returned to drug use. This is important to know because investigators soon received a tip that Misty was trying to sell a large amount of pills. Investigators planned a sting that would run for several months. During the two-month sting, an undercover detective purchased $3,900 worth of oxycodone and hydrocodone from Misty, Ron, Misty's brother Tommy, Ronald's cousin Hope, and or Misty's friend Donna. And I say and or because all five were not present at every drug deal. Only one of them was present for every single deal, and that person was Misty. A bad seed. Now, all five were arrested and charged with multiple counts of trafficking in two different counties on January 20th, 2010. Misty faced more charges because she was present at each transaction. She was eventually charged with eight counts of trafficking, while Ronald was charged with five. They both were sentenced to at least 25 years in prison. The others were charged with only one count each and faced prison sentences ranging from three to 15 years. Now, these charges were totally unrelated to Haley's disappearance. However, they planned to question them about Haley's disappearance. The truth was that investigators hoped for a confession from someone about Haley, and they were prepared to make a deal. So basically, rat on your friends and we'll possibly uh, give you a lesser sentence. It didn't work. And because it didn't work, police kept pressing forward, trying to get a slip up. They monitored phone calls closely and they kept investigating. Misty knew that the police were on her and she would tell her parents that the police kept asking her questions about Haley. But she stood her ground and claimed that she didn't know anything. It's now February of 2010, and it marks the one year since Haley went missing. Investigators told the media that Haley's case was still being investigated, and now they confirmed that Misty was not a suspect in the disappearance. But investigators believe she knows more than she was letting on. They kept a close eye on her. In April, Misty and her brother Tommy, they decided to come forward. Tommy is Misty's brother, just a reminder. And if you remember these two, they seem to come up with a number of different stories as to what actually happened. And their stories combined never really made any sense or matched up with each other. This was all in hopes of reaching a deal on the drug charges. Misty was looking at 25 years in jail over drugs. That's pretty steep. And so this is what they told investigators. According to their attorneys, on the night of Haley's disappearance, Tommy said him and his cousin Joe Overstreet went to the Cummings home at around midnight, and he went there looking for a World War II-era machine gun to hunt deer. When they couldn't find it, Joe took Haley, allegedly at knife point, who was screaming, and he put her in a black bag. Joe and Tommy then drove Haley to a boat ramp on St. John's River. Tommy described Haley 
limp and quiet while she was in this black bag. And he also said that she may have already been dead when she left the trailer. They tied a rope to a concrete block and lowered Haley into the water and left. Now, Tommy claimed that he never told Misty about this incident. However, if you remember, Misty was in this house the entire time. So Misty, she told a similar story, claiming that when the two showed up at the house, she was hiding under the blankets with Haley's little brother, trying to protect him. And she recalls hearing a van door open and close, as well as a black bag or something being placed over Haley. She had no idea what happened next. But at the same time, if you're innocent, you would have called the police or you would have done something when you saw that. Yeah, instead she like made up a story that she was sleeping. Yeah. But at this point, she's keeping herself pretty distant from what happened, like mm-hmm. making sure that she was not involved. Why wouldn't she call Ronald in this situation? It just seems like so weird. Well, especially because he was calling and calling and calling. Like she could have called him. She could have called the police. The police could have been on the lookout for a van. Like there's so much. Now it is Misty's brother. She might even be trying to protect him in some way. And the whole gun thing just seems weird. Like, who are you? The Scarface of deer hunting? Like, why do you need a machine gun from World War II to hunt some deer? Now, it could have been drug-related even, and maybe they're just saying the gun just to kind of... I mean, if we're speculating, it could have been something like the brother stole the girl to sell for drugs and to sell sex trafficking or, or something weird like that. And he threatened, like... Misty, if you say anything, I'll kill you. And she was afraid. But obviously, we're like completely speculating. Yeah. And there's tons of theories on this because of these allegations. But I think the police are right. Misty knows something more, something that could help. Right. And she just isn't coming forward. Now, following the confession of the brother and sister duo, authorities examine this new face in the story, Joe Overstreet, in the presence of his attorney. It's unclear what exactly was stated throughout this interview, but he maintained his innocence throughout, seemingly having no involvement. The St. John's River was then searched for three days by investigators. Five kilometers from the home, investigators informed HLN that after Misty's confession, they were certain that they had cracked the case, and even more so once they found a concrete block with rope on it. No Haley, though. No Haley. Now, this block and rope was sent to a lab to be tested. However, it was determined that it was not from this time frame. So maybe the rope was deteriorated. Could have been a makeshift anchor for a boat that fell out. It could have been something weird. Exactly. Now, according to the investigation, they announced, quote, Over the past few weeks, information has been obtained by investigators that lead them to believe Haley Cummings is most likely deceased, unquote. And they said that this is a very real possibility that Haley died within their search area, which they're talking about the river. And specifically that area based off of the confession from Tommy, I assume? Yeah, exactly. So the public wasn't made aware of this. They were still looking into it. Mm -hmm. The investigators stated that they had identified numerous persons of interest, but again, they refused to name these people publicly. They maintained that Misty was still the key to solving the crime. They took Misty to the river to see if she would break down and reveal anything else, 
and she did break down. She started to cry. Tears were coming down, but on her way back, she said, never mind, I'm not telling you the truth. Police were so confused. They thought for sure that she would finally break, but it seemed to only put her guard up. At this point in time, the police had put so much effort into getting to this point. And Misty, from that point on, never provided any additional information to investigators. Tommy would later say that he also made the story up about Joe, hoping to get some leeway. Now, these accusations against Joe caused a lot of his family members to cut him out. Whether or not it's true, the allegations also raised the hopes of Haley's family and the detectives working on this case to get justice. But because they said they lied about the story ever happening, I guess it was all disregarded. What's crazy, though, is like, how do you just take back what you said and that's that? Right. I feel like that was a clean confession on Tommy's part, at least. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe it was just a made-up story, but there's just so many things that seem to be true. There's got to be some truth to what they said. I agree, but we may never know. Now, some sources say that the young brother, who was three at the time, Ronald Jr., woke up to the noise in the house when this all happened. And he peeked through the crack of the door, and he recalls seeing a man dressed in black clothing in the living room jumping up and down on Haley. So it kind of makes you think, was this some kind of drug-related situation against Ronald? Like you said, I feel like there's some truth to that story. They're just not wanting to come forward fully. And not to mention, if her body was, you know, thrown into the river, this was a place that was heavily populated with alligators. And there's a huge possibility that there wouldn't be a body. Right. In May, Florida Today reported that Ronald was negotiating a plea deal for a 15-year sentence in exchange for testifying for the state in future cases involving the drug counts or Haley's disappearance. He would later go through with this deal. He was sentenced to 15 years in prison. Misty and her brother ultimately pleaded not guilty to their allegations. Misty was sentenced to 25 years in prison while her brother received 15 years. And the other co-defendants, Hope and Donna, were also sentenced to 15 years. Misty did an interview with the Orlando Sentinel in May of 2011, months after she was sentenced to 25 years in jail, where she insisted that she had nothing to do with Haley's disappearance. She said, quote, I'm not the key to this. And she went on to explain if she knew something, they would have known it from day one. She just doesn't understand why they just keep saying things about her. She went back to saying that she had fallen asleep with Haley and Haley's brother at the time when she awoke and discovered that Haley was gone. So now she goes back to the the first story because then she changed it to the mattress on the floor. But all right. Now, Misty, she decided to point some fingers at Ronald, being that now they're divorced, they're not together. So she said that he has a risky lifestyle as a drug dealer, and that was to blame for Haley's disappearance. Ronald, according to Misty, had numerous enemies and debts, which could have contributed to Haley's kidnapping. Misty claimed that after Haley vanished, a stranger approached Ronald and informed him that the Mexicans have her. 
Misty had no idea who this man was or what he had to do with Ronald. All she knew was that Ronald owed money to those who supported his drug habit. She speculated that they had kidnapped Haley for ransom. Misty also stated that she received a letter and a photo from a man who claimed to have seen Haley in Kentucky recently. The Orlando Sentinels spoke with police about the incident. They stated that they still strongly suspect Misty has information about how and when Haley went missing because she was in the same house as her. They claim Misty had told them many stories and is hiding information. As the dust settled on the drug cases, coverage of Haley's case slowed. Haley's case was still open 10 years later. However, in 2019, it went cold. Former detectives who worked on Haley's case discussed their theories with News 4 Jax. In 2009, Cummings' case was handled by John Merchant, a retired Putnam County Sheriff's Office detective. And he never believed that someone abducted Haley in that home. He stated that several witnesses claim that Haley was seen at a party hours before she was reported missing. This person came forward and said, quote, I think that somebody gave the child some drugs or the child got some drugs accidentally and she died and people panicked and they had to get rid of the body, unquote. So according to this, it sounds like Haley might not have even been at the trailer. Like she might have been at a party with Misty. Yeah, And does Misty feel some sort of guilt? It's just like a weird rumor for it to have no truth. Right. But same thing with the other allegations with the brother and the cousin. Yeah, for sure. But like I said, I mean, that could be some variation of truth because the brother could have been the one who picked up Haley's body, put it in a black bag to dispose of it. Oh, my gosh. Like it could. And I'm completely speculating here. But what if she was at the party and this happened, there was an overdose of some sort. She takes the body back home. That's when the brother would have came over, put her into a black bag. The, the brother... Ronald's calling constantly like, hey, hey, Yeah, and she's on? not going to like, answer. Oh my God, I'm not answering that phone. Are you kidding me? Right. Like- and then you have the three-year-old who might have looked out and you know saw this commotion over a black bag, not knowing what it was. But then, you know, she's in the black bag. She's thrown in that van. I think you just solved this case. Maybe. Seems like it. It does seem like it. It's just a hunch. It makes sense to me, putting those two stories together. You know what? That kind of makes me think, too. It's like all weekend, Misty was at these parties, you know, drinking, smoking, doing whatever. So it's like, oh, now I got to watch these kids that aren't even mine. I guess I'm just going to take the one with me and the other one's just going to sleep at home or do whatever. Right. Maybe we're on to something. Ricky got that crime salad brain going. Those crime salad juices are flowing through his brain. (laughs) Now, Misty, she still remains in prison. Her release date isn't until June of 2031. Now, unfortunately, that's the final information that we have on Haley's case. She's still missing and the case has never been solved. Haley was five years old when she went missing on February 10th, 2009, standing three feet and three and a half inches tall and weighing only 40 pounds. We may never know what actually happened to Haley, but... Until then, you can contact the Putnam County Sheriff's Office at 1-888-277-8477 
if you have any information, there is a $15,000 reward available. Now, recently on Christmas of 2022, Ronald Cummings, who recently was released from prison, ended up arrested when he crashed into a street sign. His car was still running and in gear, and he woke up and attempted to drive off. And he appeared extremely intoxicated with a bottle of Hennessy in his lap, and the police showed up and they confronted him. So when police attempted to detain him, because he was obviously drunk in public, behind the wheel, he tried to grab the officer's gun and was pulling on it. So now he faces the following charges. Battery on a law enforcement officer, resisting an officer with violence, trafficking amounts of oxycodone, possession of a controlled substance without a prescription, obstructing police by depriving means of communication, and also a misdemeanor marijuana and Panera Panera position. Yeah, a sandwich. <laughs> and also a misdemeanor marijuana and paraphernalia possession. He's also lucky he didn't get shot. He's grabbing his gun. I kind of have a feeling that he wanted to go back to prison. Like he lost his daughter. He's been in prison for what yeah. fifteen years. That's interesting. So there you have it. There's a lot of different theories on this case as to what could have happened. Some believe that maybe it was jealousy, being that Ronald paid more attention to her than Misty. And some believe that Misty's brother and cousin were out to get revenge on Ronald because of something related to drugs. But whatever the case may be. Yeah, I hope the family gets closure. I really do, too. It's horrible. I hate cold cases. So, I mean, maybe it will heat up. And we'll get some answers. Maybe you solved the case, Ricky. What if you did? I highly doubt that, but hey, maybe. I'm going to send it to the Putnam County Police Department. Hmm. Maybe I'll get a gold star. They probably won't even listen to our episode. Maybe they'll send me one of those plastic sheriff badges. You wish. (laughs) Also, if you're loving Crime Salad in this new direction, make sure you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever. You know, hate often speaks louder than love. Or we need some love, please. We do. We need some love. So fill up our little salad bowl because we hungry. We hungry. 